beautiful people, and welcome to Unlocked, a podcast focusing on all mental health and identity-related topics through the Caribbean lens. I'm your host, Audrey Augustov, Haitian-American and licensed counselor. Everybody, I have the distinct honor and privilege of featuring the one and only Olympic gold medalist Karani James from Grenada for this episode. It was he was actually so pleasant to connect with, very easy to get in touch with, actually. And uh, I'm really grateful because sometimes you know you somebody uh, gets some level of notoriety in their life, uh, and it becomes a little bit difficult to connect with them like as a human. And, and Karani was honestly such a humble and easygoing guy. This conversation is a little bit less on the mental health side of this podcast, and a little bit more of a general conversation about athletes and what they go through regarding building their career, as well as thinking about life after sports. So go ahead and take a listen. Hi, Karani. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm, I'm well. Can't complain. That's what I always say. <laughs> well, I mean, I always like to encourage, you know, my guests to kind of get into a deeper dive uh, when we're answering the question, you know, how are you doing today? Because I know that like in the day to day life, we tend to answer it quickly with like, oh, I'm good or whatever. But, you know, usually there is something going on in our lives. that's a little bit more detailed than that. So, I mean, do, like, how has your day been for the day? What you've been up to? Yeah, well, I had some, I had some grapefruit that I had to squeeze and make some juice. So, <laughs> so like, like for me, like weekends is very. Cheap. I don't really go much places, so okay. I just, uh, do stuff around the house. Like for example, like usually I do like some kind of cleaning out or something like that. But I do a lot of it on on Thursday. I still have to do my bathroom, but. You know, like that's how I kind of spend my weekend. Like if there's like a movie or like I play some video games or something, you know, something that's relaxing, you know, because during the week, you know, you go on the train, mm-hmm. you're running errands, you're doing things like that. So really, you know, when the weekend comes, you just want to, you don't want more of that, you know, like unless there's something that there is, you absolutely have to do. And you only, the only time you have to do is on a weekend. Then yeah, but right for me right now, like where my schedule is, and everything is a bit more, it's a bit very, like, I know I'm going to be every day because I'm mm-hmm. just cleaning and getting ready for the season. So right now it's kind of very structured. So I know like, okay, when the weekend comes, I'm just chilling. If I have some stuff around the house, I do it, but I'm home. Like sometimes I don't even get out and drive anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know what you mean. I, I work like I work five days a week um, and I have a similar kind of by the time that it's the weekend, although my weekend is Friday, Saturday instead of Saturday, Sunday. But um, by the time that it's the weekend, I, I really I don't do much either because I, I it's nice to just be home. You know, you barely even get a chance to appreciate your own house often, you know, so it's nice to just relax on your couch and eat your food and things like that. So I know what you mean. <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, as far as me, uh, today I feel good. I'm today's a big podcasting podcasting day for me. I'm, I'm recording several episodes and doing a lot of editing, so I'm just kind of like in mission mode. Uh, but I feel really rewarded with the work that I've been doing with my podcast. Like I've been very intentional about just bringing the guests, the quality of guests to a next level and feeling really proud about the kind of conversations that we're having. So I don't know. I'm just proud of myself is how I feel today. <laughs> that's, so that's how I've, I've listened to a couple of podcasts, but I've never known like that's how it's structured where you, you have one day and you just, you do several that day and then you release it over you kind of time it when you release them. I didn't know that. Thank you very much for joining um, Unlocked. I'm really grateful that you were so easygoing about being a guest. You know, sometimes people have a bunch of questions about what is it about? And then you're just like, yeah, I want to do it. I'm, I'm really grateful that you were very interested in uh, coming on this podcast and, and talking a little bit. Um, I'm I'm actually a person who's really intrigued by athletes because I think that it takes a certain kind of person to have that level of drive and that level of discipline, very specifically because most sports have like a time limit regarding when you can really maximize your life, right? Because me, like as a counselor, I'm in a career where the older you get and the more experienced you get, the more value you have. Mm -hmm. And it's like the opposite for athletes, where as you get older, it's kind of like your time is running up. And I really wanted to have a conversation about a little bit like what it's like to be kind of against the clock, to be in a field where that is almost little by little looking at you like you're coming to the end of your days, you know, because uh, that seems like it's it could be a very stressful experience. No, really. I mean, most athletes don't don't think about it like that. In mm -hmm. that, you know, no, no, like there's an athlete that think, okay, you know, this is a seven year, it's a seven year people that start counting down now. You know, it's like you take it year by year. You try to do as best as you can for as long as you can, you know, and you enjoy. It, you know, and I think that's that's the main thing of it is that if you can do something, you know, that you love and. You don't really see it as as really work, right? You no, know? and you enjoy it. Then you don't really put a clock on it. You know, I think when you start putting a clock on it is when you start enjoying it. You know, mm. so, yeah. So I don't really think in that terms. You know, I think you know this is a great opportunity for me, not just you know athletic wise, but also you know it gives you a lot of flexibility. You know, how, how and what you want to do with your schedule, you know, you're, you're, you're not living that way. So, so yeah, it kind of balances out in the end. But like, like you say, I mean, you, you still can't ignore the fact that, yeah, it's, it's, you're not going to do it for the rest of your life because, you know, you're using your body and that's not, you know, physiologically, that's, that's it's impossible to do it forever. <laughs> You know, so, but in terms of having that just constant or like immediate in the back of your mind thinking that, um, uh, you know, I have, you know, six years and, and 287 days left or whatever, you know, you know. <laughs> okay, so that, that was actually kind of surprising because in my mind, I had always imagined that the life of an athlete is 
kind of temporary and that the opportunity to take it and bring it into something else, which is either like coaching or maybe sometimes like new, like broadcast stuff are limited and that it, it can actually create like a, uh, a lot of pressure on athletes. But it's kind of nice to hear that when you're in the mindset of just taking it year by year, that it's actually just an enjoyable process to just kind of maybe like more your life is you're against yourself competing against yourself. Yeah. I mean, maybe, I mean, athletes are all different. We all have different mindsets. So I'm not Mm -hmm. saying it's like the absolute truth or anything, but you know, there are athletes that, you know, they want to, they think about these things where, okay, what's the next step, you know? Like, like you said, you, you're going to coaching or, or, or things like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, everyone's different. Everyone may have a different opinion as to how they want to go about their, their whole careers. Okay. So, I mean, I wanted to speak a little bit about the experience of winning the first gold medal for your country, right? Um, because you are the first and only gold, uh, gold medal athlete um, for Grenada. And uh, I wanted to just explore a little bit about what that kind of honor and that experience is like. You know, what does it mean to represent your nation in that way? I, I, I think it's the biggest honor. You know, for me, it's a huge motivation and reason why, why I do it and I enjoy it. You know, because it kind of gives you something more than just the, the kind of tangible things, the medals, or, you know, the travel or, you know, prize money or whatever. It gives, gives you something to feel proud about, knowing that you can make people happy, make people proud of something by you just doing something you love, you mm-hmm. know. And there's not a lot of professions that, that can do that, you know. If you're a lawyer, you can't say, you know, I'm going to make money proud, you know. So I think that's a, the, the great thing with sport, especially Olympic sports like mine, you know, is there's more to it. You have a, 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 a bigger effect on how people feel, you know, than just you just doing it, you know, for yourself. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's an honor it's, it's to, to, to go out there, represent, you know, and, and, and just having people, you know, just feel, feel that level of pride. You know, so so yeah, it's it's it's, it's incredible. Like I, like I always said, it's almost like that's a medal in itself. You know, just making people feel proud and 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 just giving them that experience because you don't know what they're going through. You know, in their daily lives. You know, if you can just give them just a glimmer of of happiness, of pride, or hope, then then that's for me. That's that's kind of priceless. You know, so yeah, that's what that's, that's what I would say. Right, and when when you've reached this experience of making your country proud and having this kind of status, I mean, what is it like visiting back home? I mean, do you ever get to just be a regular person anymore, or do you think that your community, or you know, treats you differently for better or for worse? Uh, that's a that's an interesting question. For me, I try to have as much normalcy as possible, you know, and that would happen, I would say, like when I'm in my hometown, when I'm in Guam, 
you know. When I go home, that's where I, 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 I usually am. It's a bit less, um, less hectic or, you know, people coming up because like, these are people I've, I've known all my life. So they've known like me, you know, not, you know, the, the person is, you know, they see on TV or, or, or anything. So they know me. So when I go home, it's a bit more level. It's a bit more calm because I'm spending the majority of time in my community in home. Like I said, I spend it with people that have seen me compete, that have known me for, for my whole life. So it's almost like I'm one of their, their sons or their brothers or sisters where I'm just, I'm just home. You know, however, when I do go to different places on the island where I'm not as accessible as I was, you know, growing up, then yeah, when, when people don't get an opportunity to see you every day, then yeah, they get they get excited, they get, they see you, they take pictures, they talk to you. And for me, that's fine because it has kind of like a balance. I try to keep it as, as normal as, as I as I possibly can, I would say that. But you know, you can't really stop or control people from being excited and proud. So it is it, it is what it is. That's 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 what I would say. Right. I mean, and you, you seem like a humble person, like a person who, you know, that you don't uh, maybe gas your own head up with your success. Um, so that probably works to your favor. Um, but I also wonder what it's like to kind of manage this experience of like, if you're in Grenada, because it's a smaller country and because of how much you've made Grenada proud, everybody knows you. And then when you're back in the States, you blend in. I mean, living this kind of duality, what, what is that experience? Like I said, it's a balance. Because when you're... When you're training or when you're on a mission or when you have, you know, this objective that you're trying to achieve, you want to do it with, you know, as least kind of, you know, externalities or distractions as possible, you know? So, yeah, so when I'm home, so usually when I'm home, it's, it's, it's still from, like, my training schedule is still early, which is, I try to go home every December around Christmas time. So I'm still early in my preparation stage. And then when I get back, I know it's, it's all hard work until April, May, June, July, all throughout the summer, right? And it's, it's, it's good to have that balance because I can go and I can do what I need to do without having to, you know, deal with all these extra things, you know, where people might want to, you know, come and see you train or, or, or want you to, you know, go somewhere or do this kind of function. And it takes away from, from what you're trying to achieve, you know? So it, it, it was like that for me in Alabama when you know, I went to university. It's a huge football school, you know, and I came back from London and, and all these meets. It's, you know, I mean, people that I, I talk to there, I mean, I have a, a lot of good friends there, like they know and they, and, and they're proud and they're happy. And you know, sometimes they invite me to, you know, the house and, and that's fine, you know, but if I were to compare it to the attention that a lot of like the college football players get, like it's, it's at the minimum. And for me, that's, that's good because 
You know, when I'm back there and I'm training, I'm doing what I got to do. I can focus. You know, I can turn the vision where where I got to go, what I need to do without having to have all these distractions that may affect you, you know, in the long term. Okay. All right. So, I mean, I think that also says something about Grenadian people too, right? That they're not, you know, maybe going to gas you up too much as much as they're proud of you. Right. But that when you're, because, because I, I know what it's like to go to, I went to Rutgers university, New Brunswick. Right. And that's a big college school. And so I know what it's like to be at a university that has this kind of football culture where like the football player is almost like a God. And it seems like, an intrinsic part of Caribbean culture, Canadian culture is we're proud of you, but also like, we still want you to be humble. You know, we're not going to worship you. And that's, yeah, that's right. a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. And like I said, it kind of keeps you humble too, because if that ever happened, like they'll like, the thing is like, home, like they'll tell you, like they'll straight up tell you like, okay, this is, you know, this is what's happening. Right. You know, kind of check yourself and then and kind of overwhelm them. So. Okay. So, I mean, I know that, you know, I was watching some uh, other interviews that you've done and you've spoken a little bit about uh, being diagnosed with Graves disease. And yeah. so I, I wanted to know a little bit about where you are now in terms of understanding your diagnosis and working with it in terms of training and, and how much accommodation you have to make knowing this about yourself? Oh, I, I think at this point, I could be like a, like an endocrinologist right now. <laughs> everything else that's, that's, that's going on. But yeah, it's, it, it's not as, it's not as complicated as, as it may seem. But the tricky part, the only tricky part is that you have to find the right level. Mm-hmm. Right. So what they want to do is like when they kill off your thyroid, it's back to like it's at zero. So they have to get it back up to a level where it's considered normal. For that, you have different level of of microgram medications you have to take. So for the first couple of months, you might take something that's 125 micrograms and it might get you, you do your blood work, it might get you to a certain level and and it's okay. you, You might need to go up a little bit. You know, so they might say, okay, take 140, see how that works, still to, okay, let's take on, let's take 200. Okay, it's too high. So it's between 200 and 140, that's your level. Let's figure that out, you know? And sometimes even then, it's, it's you know, they can always get creative with, with the medication. So so right now, I would say, yeah, I've been feeling my best. Um or for a long time, because like I said, you have to it take some time to find the right level. Are all of the symptoms addressed with the medication or, or do you still battle with some of the symptoms, even though your, your levels are where they should be? Yeah, I think most of the symptoms are addressed, you know, for like, for example, one of the big symptoms, if you have like a, a fast heartbeat, right? Mm. Uh, you would have like restlessness, you know, you can, you know, your sleep schedule is out of, of whack. You know, sometimes your eyes might feel grainy. So these are the things when, you know, when my thyroid level was, was too high. That's what I was feeling before I got the actual diagnosis. 
So I don't think I have any of those problems right now. I, 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 don't, I wouldn't say I think, but I don't, you know? And then when they kill off your thyroid, that also has certain effects. So that's where they try to get it back to a normal level. So, you, mm. might, you know, your metabolism slows down when they, when they kill off your thyroid. So you might put on a little bit of weight. You know, you might feel like your muscles are a bit tight, you know, a little bit more sleepy. So that's how it kind of balances out, you know. But yeah, but like I said, once you understand the process and, and, and you recognize the symptoms, then you kind of get used to what 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 is kind of expected or what or like how you feel more. Okay. Right. So I mean I I imagine that you would develop a kind of relationship with your body where you really understand when your body is as it should feel and versus when something is off, that you really know yourself. Right, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Um this might seem like a random question, but one thing that I've really learned about athletes is I've, I've noticed a lot of athletes have rituals. Like there's like, I feel like I've noticed a lot of athletes can be very superstitious and almost have these rituals that they always do before they're about to compete. And I'm wondering if you're one of those athletes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I can tell you because then I don't know if, if, if that messes up the superstition or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, oh yeah, definitely have to have, I wouldn't say it's a, super, a superstition or a ritual, but it's just something that you, you know, you want to have some kind of consistency with how you go about, I guess, doing things. Okay. It's, it's almost like you're tricking your mind and your body to say, okay, this, okay, so that's the zone we're in now. Okay. <laughs> you can't get your mind ready. It's like, okay, that's what you're doing today. And and that's how that's how you do it. But yeah, I would I won't say it's anything crazy, you know. Like for me, I, yeah, I wouldn't say it's, it's anything crazy. Like you know, like I wear like a certain color sock or something. But you know, there is something which I, I try to do. Try to do. I try. Well, for example, I try to do like a similar warm up every time I compete. Mm-hmm. You know? I don't know if that's a ritual or position. Have you have you ever competed without being able to do your ritual? And do you feel like this reinforced the idea that yes, I have to do my ritual? <laughs> no, I've never. I've never really not do the same or similar warm up. Okay. So I would know how I would feel if I if I didn't do it. Because I'm so prepared to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I'm doing. It's not is 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 no option. So so yeah, that's that's kind of a ritual. But yeah, but I've heard yeah, I've heard that some athletes have have certain things that they do, you know, that uh, that are interesting. So so yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I think that when people think of your name, obviously they think of track and field. Um, but obviously at some points, you know, running, competing is, will no longer be a part of your life. And uh, I wonder where you envision yourself, you know, how, what does your second part of your life look like in your mind? If you have even started to think about that. 
Yeah, I, I for me, I still believe that I want to be somewhat involved in athletics. If you ask me now, you would definitely not be in coaching. So I've seen what certain coaches go through, and it's like they're half coach and half psychologist at the time. So it's like to deal with that, it's, it's at least for now, maybe in, in the future, that could always change because, you know, something I always love, but maybe something, you know, from just from a developmental aspect or just outside the actual running, you know, kind of helping athletes kind of plan their lives, you know, using the opportunity that they have, plan their lives a certain way, you know, with the opportunity, you know, do certain stuff. So, yeah, but you never know. I mean, there's stuff that, you know, opportunities that might come around where from an entrepreneurial standpoint that that could be possible, you know. But I think the main thing is just as long as I have a certain level of peace, I think that's that's what I'm kind of in. For. You know, if I could leave and just have a peace of mind and, and walk away, you know, honorable, then... And that's something that that, um, that I hope I can do. Okay, I mean, I think you bring up a really good point about when you, when you talk about like helping athletes develop, because I a lot of people kind of get discovered from small towns or family systems that they don't necessarily have a bunch of resources, and then when they start to accrue some success, they nobody has ever taught them how to manage their bank account or how to invest, you know, or how to make choices about deals and things like that. So, I mean, that, that, yeah. that does sound like the kind of education that young and upcoming athletes that show a lot of promise that don't necessarily have resources in their personal life can definitely benefit from, but, you know, I'm sorry to break it to you, but that also sounds like a psychologist <laughs> kind of job. <laughs> don't worry. I'm not, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not trying to take your job. It's- you're way more qualified than me. They don't always choose you ahead of me every time. So. <laughs> Do you see moving back to Grenada as a something in your life? I mean, um, I know that sometimes going back to the island, especially like some of the Eastern Caribbean islands that are a bit smaller and um, I don't I don't like it when people speak of them like they're less developed because I, I would not, I mean, to some extent, you can say that, but I, I wouldn't say that personally. Yeah. Um, but when you're used to s- some luxuries or just some other comforts that maybe sometimes going back to a place where everybody knows you can feel a little bit stifling, you know, does that sound like peace for you, the kind of peace that you're looking for? Or do you feel like ah, I probably will always find myself going back and forward? <laughs> yeah. If you ask me now, I would say back and forth. And it would depend on, on many factors. For example, if I start a family here, it's not like I could just pick them up and say, okay, that's where, you know, I think that, that would be a little bit unfair. But I, like, like I always say, like, Grenada is always going to be home. And I'm always going to try to go back, you know, if it's once a year, twice a year, but it's not going to be where I'm like, I wouldn't go home for like five years or six years. and, and mm-hmm. I'll always try to go back at least once a year. So my family are there. All my friends that I grew up with, you know, are there. So like going home is always kind of like you go home and things kind of slow down to a bit where it's, it's like, 
Okay, you kind of get your mind kind of back to, to where it needs to be. Sometimes when you're on the go, especially in the U.S. where things move so fast, things happen so quickly, it's like you don't have a chance to slow down. You don't have a chance to kind of, what do they say, like, like smell the flowers? Is that, is that mm-hmm. a Stop and smell the flowers. <laughs> no, stop and smell the roses, actually. The roses, right. Yeah, exactly. You know, so I think going home, for, at least right now for me, it's kind of like that. It's, 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 it's almost like a pilgrimage, to be honest, where it's like you go home and it's like you kind of get yourself back kind of centered. Mm-hmm. So that when you do have to go back out there, then, then it's, you know, it, it's, you're kind of a, a bit more prepared to, to, to deal with it. So, um, yeah, but like I always say, Grenada's always going to be home. I'm always going to be back. I'm always going to go there. That's not going to stop. Okay. Um, I want to thank you so much for taking some time out and, um, you know, being a guest on the show. I really appreciated your energy and your vibe and your openness, even though you didn't, you didn't really tell us your ritual, but it's okay. <laughs> oh, but okay, So, all right. I'll, it's, it's not a secret because it's on camera, but so I have this, this wristband that I always wear on my left, on my left hand. It's a Grenada wristband. And I have a bunch of them. I've had them for years. So every time they fade out, I just I just replace it. And I always try to kiss it and kiss the Grenada badge before I compete at any Olympic or World Championship games when I'm on the starting ball. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, now, now I feel like I pressured you into saying it. And so if something happens, like, you're going to be like, I never should have done that podcast. <laughs> right. You know, so yeah, I'm glad we have this recorded so I can hold it. Cool. But no, I mean, it's, it's not a, like if you're watching over my races, you, you would see it. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's not like a secret. Right. It's, but this is something I always, you know, just kind of get myself kind of ready, kind of centered. Okay. Well, thank you so much for sharing and for showing up and talking. But yeah, thank thank you so much, Karani. I really appreciate it. All right. No problem at all. All right. Well, there you have it. A story of a hometown hero exploring how to remain humble at the peak of his career and keeping a positive mindset about his trajectory. I'd like to thank Karani for being so approachable and easy to talk to. Have a blessed day, and remember, real talk leads to real understanding.